It's been 22 years since those planes flew into the World Trade Towers, making it the worst attack on American soil since the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor back in 1941. Well, today we will remember and analyze this event from a prophetic perspective on this edition of the End Time Show. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. I do thank you very much for joining me on this edition of the End Time Show. And it's a very somber day uh, for many of us. And we're going to talk about uh, what happened that day. I'm gonna, we're going to kind of um, go through the events, give kind of like a timeline. And then we're going to talk about it from a prophetic perspective because it is very prophetic, what happened. And so I'm, we're going to talk about it, and I'm going to explain it to you why. Before that, um, I will be, my wife and I will be in South Bend, Indiana, this coming Saturday and Sunday. Uh, we'll be at the Ironwood UPC Church of South Bend, 4609 South Ironwood Road. And it's going to be Saturday, September 16th at 7 p.m., I'll be teaching the understand the new Understand the End Time lesson going along with the books and the new DVD and everything that we put out. You won't want to miss that. Lots of updated information. And then Sunday morning, September 17th at 10 a.m., we're going to have a revival service. And I'll start out with prophecy and, and give you some updates, current events, and a lot of things like that. And then I'm going to talk to you about the great end time revival and how to prepare yourself mentally physically, and most importantly, spiritually, for the times just ahead and for the second coming of Jesus Christ. And we'll have an altar call. And if you've never been moved on by the Holy Ghost, you say, well, I I don't know, or felt the delivering or healing power of the Lord, come out to the service on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. We'll pray for people to be healed. We'll pray for people to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We'll pray for deliverance. Whatever you need, God can touch you. I've seen it thousands and thousands of times. And I'll probably share some of my own testimony and what the Lord has done for me. Uh, because it's, it's very important. The Bible says they overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. So what a great service we will have and what a great conference we will have this weekend. I know that South Bend conference is always cram-packed and what a great time it is. So look forward to seeing all you out at um, Ironwood Church uh, this weekend. Okay, so um, 911. It almost makes me sick to my stomach to even talk about this because a lot of our friends, family members, uh, some of you may have been directly impacted uh, by it and what happened on 911. But I remember I was out um, working construction uh, back in um, 2001, and I was building a giant room on the back of these people's house. It was humongous. And I went to the lumber yard with a guy that I worked with, and we were on our way back from the lumber yard, and we, we were listening to the radio of this plane 
that flew into one of the World Trade Centers in New York. And we thought, man, that's crazy. Some guy, you know, was either drinking or some pilot or he got off course or something horrible happened because he hit one of the trade towers in New York. Well, about that time, I can almost take you to the place, I, the, the, the crossing in the road that we were at, where the guy breaks who's telling the story about it. He said, oh, my goodness, so another plane just hit the other trade tower. And me and the guy I was working with both looked at each other and we said, terrorism at the same time. This is an act of terrorism. And so, boy, hasn't America changed since 9-1-1? So I wanted to kind of lay it out for you today because it's, it's just horrific. It's really a satanic act is what it was. But I want you to think about this and consider that on December 7th, 1941, the United States Naval Base at Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, it was attacked by the Japanese Navy, and it brought about the U.S. entry into the Second World War. But if you remember, it was, it's often been referred to as, hey, waking the sleeping giant, right? I mean, the attack on Pearl Harbor began a course of events that ultimately led to the defeat of the Axis of Powers. Well... The attack on Pearl Harbor killed 2,000, just over 2,400, 2,403 Americans, but it wounded another 1,178. Well, nearly 60 years later, there were 2,977 people that died in the attacks of September 11, 2001. More people than Pearl Harbor. And that was when the, those deranged suicide bombers linked to Al-Qaeda hijacked four planes, and they flew two into the World Trade Centers in New York, one into the Pentagon, and then a fourth crashed in uh, a field out in Pennsylvania. And these attacks led to this worldwide war against terrorism led by the United States. Now, in today's program. I'm not going to get into all the conspiracy theories and, you know, that it's almost impossible for two buildings to get hit by a plane and both of them go right down in their own footprint and things like that. And what about building seven? And I'm not going to get into all that. Everybody's got their own theories and different things. I mean, some of it seems kind of obvious, but I'm not going to spend the program on that today. Just remembering what happened and and, uh, remembering you know, the families in prayer and different things of people that were affected by it because it was, it was truly horrific. And America has been affected by it ever since. So what happened? Well, the town hall rec- recalls the story. September 11, 2001, it really began on a, a crisp uh, morning like any other morning, every fall day in the Northeast United States. But by the time the sun set over New York that evening and Washington and Somerset County, Pennsylvania, the entire world had changed. At 7.59 a.m., American Airlines Flight 11, scheduled from Boston Logan International Airport to Los Angeles International Airport, it takes off with 92 people on board. That's 7.59. A few minutes later, United Airlines Flight 175 departs from Boston Logan with 65 people on board at 8.14 a.m., also en route to Los Angeles. 
by 8.19 a.m., flight attendant Betty Ong on American 11 notifies her base that her flight has been hijacked. A minute later, at 8.20, American Airlines Flight 77 departs Virginia's Dulles International Airport with a destination of Los Angeles and 64 people on board. So there's one more plane that has to take off. But now everything is set in motion on this beautiful day back in 2001. We're going to recall the event, what happened, and then we'll get into the prophetic portion of it on the backside of the break. You won't want to miss this because a lot of people aren't even talking about this today and laying out the events. A voice spoke to me and said, I've got something I want to show you. I was so sure God had talked to me. And I was stunned by what I saw. A direct fulfillment of this over 2,500-year-old prophecy. The United States will stand with Israel. Why haven't I ever seen this before? One-third of humanity will die. What do these beasts symbolize? The lion, the bear, the leopard. The combined beast from Revelation 13 represents the end-time government of the Antichrist. Understanding the end time. Now streaming on End Time Plus and available to order at endtime.com slash UET. Go to endtime.com slash UET or call 800 endtime Are you ready for an extraordinary journey to the region that is the focus of more end-time Bible prophecy than any other. Well, look no further. Join us on an unforgettable journey to Israel. Our adventure begins down in Jerusalem where we will teach on the Mount of Olives, sing at the Garden of Gethsemane, walk down through the Kidron Valley, then we'll make our way north, have a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee while visiting Joppa, Mount Carmel, baptized in the Jordan River, and so much more. Don't miss out on this incredible trip to Israel. Spaces are limited. Book your tour today. Visit endtime.com slash tour or call us at 1-800-END-TIME. Join us for an experience that you will never forget. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End Time Show's TV and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning End Time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com slash events to see when Dave will be in a location near you. So it's the morning, September 11th, 2001. Planes that have been hijacked are already in the air. At 8.41 a.m., United Airlines Flight 93, carrying 44 people, departs Newark International Airport, bound for San Francisco International Airport, after being delayed nearly 30 minutes. At 8.46 a.m., hijackers crash 
American 11 into the north tower of the World Trade Center in lower Manhattan. One minute later at 9.03 a.m., hijackers crash United 175 into the south tower of the World Trade Center as millions of Americans watch live while TV networks carrying the aftermath of Americans 11 crash into the North Tower. I know that um, my construction crew that I was working with, we went into this big old house this lady had, and we, we went in and stood by the television, and where all of us were standing around watching this scene of the North Tower burning when the second plane hit. And it becomes clear that events in Manhattan are no accident at that point. This is an ter- act of terrorism. Well, shortly thereafter, the FAA bans all takeoffs and diverts traffic en route to New York City at 9.08 a.m. And the Port Authority gives the order to shut down all the bridges and the tunnels in the New York uh, area at 9.21 a.m. Well, minutes later at 9.37 a.m., hijackers crash American 77 into the uh, west side of the Pentagon. And at 9.59 a.m., the south tower of the World Trade Center collapses right in its own footprint. In the midst of uh, the United 93 passengers' heroic attempt to prevent their flight from being used as a weapon in the ongoing attack against the United States, hijackers intentionally fly the plane into the ground in Somerset County, Pennsylvania, and that's at 10.03 a.m. Then the North, the North Tower of the World Trade Center collapses at 10.28 a.m. That's 102 minutes after being uh, struck by American 11. So after the dust settles and the fires were extinguished and all was counted, it's, it's horrific, 2,977 innocent lives had just going about their day, going to work, maybe going to ha- uh, 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 gra- grab a breakfast sandwich, just going about their day, these innocent lives had been stolen by Al-Qaeda terrorists. Now, folks, most of today's college students were not even born when this tragic event occurred. So if the next generation doesn't hear about it, or just maybe reads about it in a book, they really won't understand what we went through in America when this happened. But on today, this day, we wish to remember the events that changed America. And more important, we want to lift up the families in prayer and those affected by these horrific events. The firemen and the the first responders and the people at the ambulance and the police and everybody that was involved. We want to keep them in prayer. I mean, it was a horrific satanic event and we still feel the effects of it today so it's been 22 years since the attack and there are still some lingering effects on this devastating terrorist attack that haven't dissipated I mean from increased security to to this permeating mentality there are some lasting effects of 911 that we still feel today right I mean uh, airport security has gotten a, a, a lot stricter, right? Think of this. Before 911, imagine I fly all the time. And the, the one thing you deal with when you go to the airport, I've got to come, I got to come to the airport two to two and a half hours early every time I fly because of the long lines. 
But before 911, long lines at the airport and ex- this, these extensive security checks, they didn't even exist. You used to be able to walk all the way out to the gate with somebody and stand there and wave while they boarded the plane. Not anymore. That's because before November of 2001, the TSA, the Transportation Security Administration, they didn't even exist. The TSA was created as a direct result of the 911 attacks and the tight security measures. They haven't let up in the 22 years since its conception. It's probably gotten worse. I mean, to be able to pat down people, patting down my mother-in-law, who's 80-some years old now, and they will still take her aside, and a lady pats her down all over her body. Now think about that. My mother-in-law is as innocent as you can find, and they will pat her down, make sure she doesn't have something hidden in her skirt, and folks, she's in her 80s. But this is what happened after 911. I mean, cabin doors on airplanes are also now protected to keep pilots safe, and the screening process has increased in scrutiny and size. Overall, air travel has become, they say, safer as a result of the attacks. I scratch my head. But there are those that worry the increased security allows for potential, uh, you know, just, um, just really tightening the noose around everybody. So, there's also the Department of Homeland Security, which was created. I mean, the Department of Homeland Security was created 11 days after the September 11, 2001 terrorist attacks. Then there's also been the security increases outside the airports. The airport isn't the only place that where the, you can feel the increased security presence. In fact, this security increase has impacted most Americans' businesses and schools with added security features like automatic locking doors and keypads. You didn't have any of that stuff, or just hardly any, before 911. Before 911, it was much easier to gain access to office buildings across the country. Uh, at most, it would require you to maybe sign in at the front desk or something and wait to be retrieved by the correct party. But now it's not so easy, is it? I mean, you go, go into a courthouse, you're going through a metal detector. And visitors now have to be registered at the security desk. Employees need a special key code or a badge to gain access to the building. And similarly, most government buildings and prominent institutions have put up barriers that prevent vehicles from crashing through. It's craziness. And, I mean, back when I was in high school, you didn't have any of this kind of stuff. There's also the increased surveillance. I mean, um, 45 days after the 911 attacks, the Patriot Act expanded the government's authority over phone and email communications. Do you think that hasn't been abused? I mean, come on. You guys follow this stuff like I do. In the name of national security, quote unquote, this act made it easier for the government to They say closely watch Americans. I say spy on Americans. I mean, law enforcement and government agencies got more access to thousands of phone calls through national security letters issued by FBI agents, which allow agents to obtain personal information from others. So 911 really 
has affected all of us. If you fly on a plane today and you've got to wait in those long lines, you can look back to 911 and what happened there, this horrific event. But beyond that, I wanted to talk to you about the prophetic aspect of this because it helps us with the timing of things and where we're at. Since that attack on September 11, 2001, the West has tried to explain and understand and dissect the belief system of Islam and certain extremist views, right? We started the war on terrorism. What does that mean? It's kind of like the war on drugs, right? Well, from foreign policy to universal theology, Islam is hidden in Bible prophecy. Now, none of us my age or close to my age, well, I was talking to some younger guys just before we went on the program, and some of them are too young to really feel the effects of what happened at 911. And some, some uh, kids today, they've never lived without a TSA or a Department of Homeland Security, so they really don't know the freedom that we had prior to that. Into an airport, I mean, there was never a line. You walked right in, got your ticket, went. you could go all the way out to the gate, wave goodbye to your loved one. Not today. So none of us that are older are ever going to forget when those planes flew into the World Trade Center, or the World Trade Towers, and... Um, in New York City, and the attention of the world was suddenly riveted on a religion, and that was Islam, which very few even knew about. I never, I was, uh, I mean, I don't know how old I was back then. I was maybe in my early 30s, and I I paid zero attention to Islam my whole life, and I had never really even heard, I might have heard about it in school, but I didn't pay any attention to that. They didn't affect me. Those people were all the way across the Atlantic. They didn't affect me none, right? But after 911, everybody wanted to know about Islam. And so um, Mecca, Mecca, Saudi Arabia, is the center of Islam. This is very prophetic. The the, um, increase in Islamic activity right now is very prophetic. It shows us kind of where we're at because the Bible teaches that there will the the spirit of the green spirit, the Islamic spirit in the earth will be very prominent and coming into power and show itself and control much of the world and just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Or I should say just prior to the Great Tribulation. How do I know that? Well let's get into it. So every Muslim, at least one time in their lifetime, attempts to make the trek to Mecca, Saudi Arabia, to visit the heartland of the land of Muhammad, the prophet who wrote the Quran, the holy book of the Islamic religion. And Islam is written, uh, but Islam is written about in the Bible as well. The word Islam means submission. Uh, A Muslim is an adherent to the religion of Islam. And it's claimed that there are between... Uh, 1.3 to 1.8 billion Muslims in the world today. Scripture foretells God prophesied about Islam 600 years before Islam ever existed. And it is a familiar prophecy, and it's a prophecy about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And though there have been books written, and I I know that there have been books, movies, 
uh, uh, different, like almost like comic book type things about these four horsemen, many people don't understand the prophecy concerning those in, those uh, the the first four seals. So let's talk about these four horsemen. What are they, and how does this help us to maybe understand maybe a nine one one scenario and the increase in uh, this this religion and this belief system in the end time? So the book of Revelation has a skeletal structure. Uh, three groups of seven. It has the seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven vials. The four horsemen are the first four seals of the seven seals. You find the prophecy in Revelation 6, verse 1 through 8. Uh, John said, And I saw the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of a thunder, one of the beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him had a bow, and a crown was given to him. And he went forth conquering and to conquer. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red. And power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse. And he that sat upon him had a pair of balances in his hands. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, a measure, three measures of barley for a penny, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. And when he, when he opened the fourth seal, I heard a, vo- a, a voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked and behold a pale horse. And his name that sat upon him was death. And hell followed out with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with a sword. It did not say they would kill a fourth part of the world's population. It doesn't say that. It said they would be given a power over about a fourth of the earth, or the fourth of the world's population, to kill with the sword. And look at they have about 1.8, 1.9 million adherents. I'm sorry, 1.9 billion with a B. And with hunger and with death and with the beast of the earth. So... If you examine verses, uh, Revelation chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, it says, And I saw when the Lamb, or Jesus Christ, opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse, he that sat upon him had a bow, a crown was given to him, and he went forth conquering to conquer. If you notice in verse 1, the Lamb here, who we know to be Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes, who, who takes away the sins of the world. He's opening the seals. John said that the Lamb opened one of the seals, the first seal, and I heard it was, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts. Well, according to Ezekiel, these beasts are cherubim. And so if we walk down through Erida, it'll help us to understand these beasts. It gives clues as to who their identity is, what these spirits represent in the end time. And we're going to see before we're done how this the uh, fourth um, horse comes up just prior to the Great Tribulation. It lays it all out in Revelation chapter 6. They better understand what is taking place. We're instructed Except a man is born again. He can enter or see the kingdom of God. 
I don't care what label you've been given or what label you've given yourself. You are essential. You still matter. This is a journey, and when we get to the other side of that, that's where our prize is. That's where our reward is. End time is not going anywhere. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time. Understand how you fit in and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to intime.com slash future or call 800 in time. That's 800-363-8463. Okay, so uh, remember picture here that there are four beasts or four cherubims according to Ezekiel. And we're right here in Revelation 6 and these, these beasts are showing John a vision of four spirits. We're going to learn that in a minute that will control the ideologies of mankind in the end time. And when he talks about the four beasts here, John says, well, one of the beasts saying, come and see and I saw behold a white horse. Now, each horse is a different color, and the colors are extremely important when you're trying to figure out this prophecy. John said, I beheld a white horse. He that sat upon him had a bow, a crown was given to him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. But notice that the first horse is a white horse. A second horse is a red horse. It's revealed in uh, Revelation 6, 3-4. The Bible says, when, and when he opened the second seal, I heard a second beast say, come and see came another horse, the power was given to him that sat on thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another, and there was given unto him a great sword. A third was a black horse. That's uh, Revelation 6, 5 and 6. It says that when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, or this third angel, this third cherubim, say, Come and see, I beheld a black horse, and he sat upon him at a pair of balances, and... I heard the voice in the midst of the four beasts say, Hey, a measure of wheat for a penny, three measures of barley for a penny. See, thou hurt not the oil and the wine. And then finally, uh, the fourth horse, or a pale horse. It says, this is Revelation 6, uh, 7 through 8. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the, the voice of the fourth cherubim say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse. Now notice, white, red, black, pale. These, this is very important. We'll get to it in a moment. But, and his name that sat upon him was death, and hell followed with him. Now, I'm describing Islam right now. The name, his clues, his characteristics, death, hell followed with him. Power was given to him over a fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beast of the earth. Okay? Revelation 6, 1 through 8 reveals these four horses, white, red, black, and pale horse. What are those colors referring to? Well, many of the major prophecies in the Bible are given to us 
uh, several times, two, three, maybe even four or five times. When you read other accounts of the same prophecy, then those provide better clarity, right? You got to bring, that's why I say you got to study all the verses that pertain. I don't care what you're studying in the Bible. Look at all the verses, every verse that pertains to that topic. Because again, and I've done this, just when you thought you had it all figured out, then somebody will say, well, what about this verse? And you're like, oh man, I hadn't saw that. And so make sure you study all of them. And it, I'm telling you, you can get it figured out. It's, it's not super hard. So it's like putting a big puzzle together, right? And then, and then when you get it all put together, then you can say, oh man, I see the big picture that the puzzle completed. When you just got one piece, it's hard to do that. But when you get all the pieces and put them together, it looks great. Well, another account of this prophecy of the four horsemen is found back in Revela- of Revelation 6, 1 through 8, is found back in the Old Testament in Zechariah chapter 6, verse 1 through 8. Zechariah saw the same colored horses, but he saw them pulling chariots. And additionally, instead of a pale horse, Zechariah saw a grizzled and bay horses. So Zechariah 6, 4 through 5 tells us what these horses symbolize. Now, again, I've saw books, movies, all kinds of things on these four horsemen that there will be four physical horses riding through the land someday, killing everybody and cr- crushing cities and all this is going to happen. And that simply is not the case. Okay? There will be some people killed as a result of these spirits But there's not going to be a physical red horse that rides across America someday killing everybody. That is a total misinterpretation of Scripture. How do I know that? Well, if you look in Zechariah chapter 6, verse 4 through 5, it's the same prophecy. The Zechariah here is, and he said, And I said unto the angel that was talking to me, What are these horses? My Lord, and the angel answered Zechariah, and he said, These are the four spirits of the heavens which go forth from standing before the Lord of all the earth. So, what do the horses symbolize? These four colored horsemen, they symbolize four spirits, which, as you're going to see here in just a moment, they're four, the four main political ideologies and religious ideologies. There's two political, two religious that control the, the thought processes of mankind today. So, let's go, um, let's start with the red horse. What spirit would represent the red horse? Now, I'm, I'm going to kind of plow through these pretty quick till I get to the final one, which is the pale or the green horse. So, what spirit represents the red horse? Well, there is an international spirit that influences what people believe how they live, and what they do, and what they actually are willing to die for, this belief system. There's the red spirit um, of red China, red Russia, red Romania. It's communism. Communism is commonly, is just, it's, white, it has, it's commonly associated with the color red. And communism has widespread influence over what people believe, what they love, fight for. I mean, and willing to give their lives for this stuff. Communism. And whether they believed in it or not, they had to go fight for it and die, right? So each of these colored horses represent the major belief systems of the world. History has repeatedly shown that socialism leads to, to totalitarian regimes, economic collapse, and death, and communism. 
It never stays socialism forever. I know a lot, I've had people tell me where Europe is socialist, but they're not communist. Not yet. The Communist Party USA, their party platform says we want to implement socialism, which is the economic phase on the way to a higher phase, communism. Socialism is just to get control of the economy. When we talk about we don't want socialism here in America, we're saying we don't want these globalists to get control of our economy. Because it would eventually, once they get absolute control of the economy, you're, you're done as a nation. Okay? That socialism is the economic movement leading to a higher face communism where it's absolute totalitarianism. So, Europe's headed in that direction. Many of those nations say, ah, we don't want nothing to do with that. That's what Brexit said. That's what Brexit was all about. So, again, this is the red spirit, the spirit and power of communism. Now, remember, we're talking about the four horses in Revelation 6, 1-8. The red horse symbolizes communism. This spirit, black horse, what's the ideology of the black horse? Well, or this black spirit, what does that represent? Well, Revelation 6, 5-6 reveals instead of having a sword, this rider had, of the black horse, had a pair of balances. Balances represent... Um, like trade and commerce. And the counterpart to communism is capitalism. Absolute control or freedom. Capitalism has been in contest with communism ever since the Cold War. And the trade and commerce is what makes capitalism work. It's free enterprise that motivates the spirit of capitalism. Now, Revelation 6.6 6 says, A measure of wheat for a penny, three measures of barley for a penny, see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. If you look in a capitalistic society, everything revolves around the economy, right? I think it was Bill Clinton said that, hey, it's the economy, stupid. And I'm not saying stupid, Bill Clinton said that. But it, it does revolve around the economy. A lot of people voted for Donald Trump because the economy was screaming while he was in office. And that's why a lot of people say, that it was statistically impossible for Biden to win because the economy was screaming and a capitalistic country votes the pocketbook. Okay? That's why 2024 should be very interesting because now that we had the economy was screaming under Trump and now that it's in the tank under Joe Biden, if Joe Biden gets reelected, you got to kind of wonder how our election process is in America. Okay, moving on. Um, the white horse. The white horse is the spirit of Catholicism in the world today. I'm not going to take, take time to explain all that, the significance of white in Catholicism and, and the ideologies and everything, but they control over a billion, I'll say, quote-unquote, Christians in the world. And so the uh, four spirits, the red is socialism, communism, the black is capitalism, the white is Catholicism, all the clues line up in Revelation 6. And then the pale horse. That's where I want to get to. So the, the, now that we know what the prophecies in Revelation and Zechariah are referring to, these belief system, it's easy to see how the pale horse correlates to Islam. The power has suddenly riveted the world's attention back on 911. Most people weren't even paying attention to Islam. It was something overseas. And uh, you've seen some old movies like... Uh, you know, I don't know, Sinbad. And I mean, I just thought of people that lived over in the Sandy area. I didn't really, I didn't know about Islam. And, but this power has suddenly riveted the world's attention. 
and it threatens to take over all of Europe. Experts predict that if it's not stopped, it could happen by 2030 or 2040. And we now feel its pressure over here in America, right? So, very, very important. Revelation 6, 7-8. And it, it's helping us with the timing of all of this. This rise of Islam in the world. You feel it. Well, Revelation 6, 7-8 says, And when he opened the fourth seal, remember these are belief system ideologies. I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, this pale horse. His name that sat upon him was Death. And hell followed with him. It's not you, you die as a martyr and you go into 40, uh, you go meet the, in the presence of 40 virgins in the afterlife. Not what the Bible says. The Bible says that the, the, the spirit, the thing that sat upon him, it symbolized death and hell follows it. Not 40 dark-eyed virgins of paradise. Uh-uh. Not how it works. Now, they've been sold that line, but that's not, how, that's not the truth. And the Bible says, And power was given to them over a fourth part of the earth to kill with sword, hunger, with death, and the beast of the earth. So the, the word pale, this is very important. The word pale here in this scripture is translated in the original uh, Greek word as chloros. Well, you remember back in the old biology in high school, right? The word chlorophyll originates from the word Chloros. It's, it means green. This word is used in the New Testament three other times besides its use in Revelation 6. A total of four times. Uh, um, Mark 6, 39 says, And he commanded them to sit down by companies upon the chloros or green grass. Revelation 8, 7, The first angel sounded, there, fa- there followed hail and fire mingled with brimstone, and they were cast upon the earth. And the third part of the trees was burned up, and all the chloros, or green grass, was burned up. In these verses, it's always translated as green. Then Revelation 9.4 says, And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any chloros, or green thing, neither any tree, but only the men which had not the seal of God in their foreheads. So all of these words from the Greek as chloros were translated as green. Then you go back to Revelation 6, 8, right? And it's not translated to green. Uh, it says, And I looked, and behold, a chloros, but the translator said, pale horse. The, the Greek word chloros is translated as pale in this passage, but Thayer's definition of chloros is green, or yellowish pale. And the newly revised standard version of Revelation 6, 8 says, I looked, and there was a pale green horse. So it really should have been translated green. And so there is a green spirit in the earth today that is surging right now uh, for the last couple decades. And we're going to talk about the timing of this compared to the Great Tribulation and the Second Coming on the way back. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills. But God has always provided We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online with End Time Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the End Time now. 
Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you. Now, when we're talking about this translation in the the New Testament, King James Version says pale. The New Revised Standard Version of Revelation 6-8 says, I look and there was a pale green horse. And its rider's name was Death. Hades followed him. And there was given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, famine, pestilence, and by the wild animals animals or um, bestial men of the earth. Therefore, based on this information, it is appropriate to conclude the color pale referred to in the King James Version of Revelation 6-8 is referring to the color green. Well, is there a green spirit in our world today? Absolutely. If Catholicism's white, communism's red, capitalism's black, whose official color is green? There's a uh, political article article that's written by a man named Daniel Pipes. Some of you may have read his writings. The the article is titled, uh, Militant Islam Reaches America. It was published in an encyclopedia, and it said, the collapse of the Soviet Union in 1991 prompted loose talk about Islam replacing Marxism, Leninism, or communism as the West's necessary enemy. In symbolic terms, It was said that green, Islam's color, has replaced red, communism's color, in the West's rogues gallery. Well, Mr. Daniel Pipes goes on to say, all of a sudden, the fear that we've had for Marxism, the red power for years, is now being replaced by the fear of the green power, Islamism. Now, I know a lot of people say, well, I know the green agenda in the end time, it's climate. That's not what this is referring to here. This is referring to the spirit, the Islamic spirit that there is an upsurge of right now. Again, back when I was growing up as a kid, you never heard about this stuff. But now you do, right? I mean, there's those no-go zones in America on American soil. There are places that are Islamic controlled that you're not supposed to go to, right? Many of the flags of the Islamic countries are predominantly green. There's even a strong Islamic presence in Israel, and in particular in Jerusalem. An Islamic shop right outside of the Temple Mount uh, is trimmed in green. The the fountain on on the Temple Mount itself, where the Muslim worshipers wash their hands and their face and their feet before going into worship, um, has its wrought iron railing painted green. All All of the door posts, anything that's not stone, They've got painted this very uh, prominent green color all over the Temple Mount. What are they doing? They want to let you know this is controlled by Muslims. I mean, during a Hamas parade, the Islamic participants, they wear, um, they have worn suicide belts, and they've waved these big green colored flags and wear green bandanas, and a door uh, entrance and a gate entrance to the Temple Mount. They're all painted green, representing Islam. And 
Green is the official color of Islam. So the, the prophecy of the green horse occurs in the fourth seal. The, and I wanted to bring this up today because it, the timing of all of this is just like what the Bible says it's going to be. If you look at the, um, the seals, trumpets, and vials, one, two, three, the, there's seven, seven, seven. Well, if you look at the, um, the seals, they're in order. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. The trumpets, they happen in order. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Now, they overlap each other, the, the sets of events, but the, the, the seals, trumpets, and vials themselves, those sevens are all in order. And they all end, the sixth and seventh seal, the seventh trumpet, and the seventh vial are all the exact same event. The second coming of Jesus Christ and the battle of Armageddon. Okay? That's why if you try to say the book of Revelation is written in chronological order, you're going to have the wrath of God, the second coming of Jesus Christ and the battle of Armageddon happening four times in the book of Revelation. You're going to be really stuck uh, when trying to figure it all out, when you try to figure it out, all, to figure it like that, because Revelation 6, the Bible says, Thy wrath has come at the sixth trumpet. Well, the wrath of God is poured out in Revelation 16. So does the wrath of God get poured out twice in the future? No. It's the same event told over and over and over. But there are different events that lead up to that. Okay? And that meant if you try, don't please, I'm, I'm asking you, <laughs> don't try to look at the book of Revelation as if it's written in chronological order. You're going to get stuck in a lot of places. Now, the prophecy of the green horse, that occurs in the fourth seal. Then right after that, in the fifth seal, is the Great Tribulation. Now it's helping us with the timing of all of this, right? There's going to be an upsurge of the Islamic belief system in the end time just prior to the beginning of the Great Tribulation. Now you know why I wanted to do the program today. Because 911, there was this huge upsurge in the world and this belief system of this Islam. Now I know there was the Ottoman Empire and all this stuff, but really, it didn't really affect America, right? I mean, it was just way over there. Nothing, but now you look at, here we are in September 11th, 2001. You have all these Al-Qaeda people that took over these planes and crashed them into buildings in America. Now, I know everybody's got their own theories about what all happened. But I'm just saying, after this, the Islamic spirit has risen. Look at over the last couple decades how the Islamic spirit has, um, there's been this just huge surge of it in, in uh, the world. And the Bible says that this green horse, this green spirit, will come on the scene just prior to the Great Tribulation. That's the fourth seal. The fifth seal is the Great Tribulation. The, the green horse era, the era of the resurrection of Islam, is supposed to occur right before the Great Tribulation. Biblical prophecy reveals that we are approaching the time of the Great Tribulation right now. Now, uh, there's another event tied to Islam that is supposed to occur right before the Great Tribulation. And that's found in Revelation 9, uh, 13 through 18. And that's a war that will kill one-third of the human race. And this war is supposed to start um, near the area of the Euphrates River in that region. The Euphrates River uh, begins in Turkey, flows down into Syria, through Iraq, and empties into the Persian Gulf right there where the Euphrates and the Tigris meet. At, alongside Iran. So the entire length of the Euphrates River is inside of Islamic-ruled areas. Islam controls the river 
where war is taking place pretty much perpetually. (laughs) And the United States of America has thousands of troops stationed along the Euphrates River. And many people believe the Euphrates River War is in progress right now. It just hasn't escalated to the point where we would have mass casualties. I mean like hundreds and hundreds of thousands. And many many world leaders call this um, potential war on terrorism a, a World War III. The spirit of Islam, folks, is rising again. It's just like the Bible said it would. Four seals have been opened. And that helps with the timing of the end of the age, where we're all at. Folks, we're right here just prior to the Great Tribulation. And, you know, within at least, it's going to be, we're about three and a half years from the beginning of the Great Tribulation. I should say we're at least three and a half years. The final seven years hasn't started yet. But in the grand scheme of things, three, five, ten years, that's nothing. Compare that to eternity. I mean, my life is flashing before my eyes every day. It's going so fast. And so we are just prior to the beginning of the Great Tribulation in the next few years, folks. Now, let's examine the fifth seal. How do I know that that's the Great Tribulation? Well, Revelation 6, 9 through 11 says, now remember, the fourth seal, this uh, increase in Islamic activity, boom, fifth seal, Great Tribulation. The Bible says, uh, this is Revelation 6, 9-11. And when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood upon them that dwell upon the earth? And white robes were given to these individuals. And it was said unto them that they should rest for a little season. That's very important until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. So the fifth seal describes people who will be killed during the Great Tribulation. Their spirits have ascended to God, and they are in the presence of the Lord, asking, How long until you avenge our blood upon those that dwell upon the earth? And the Lord replied and said, Hey, you rest just a short while until your fellow servants should be killed like they were. Now, not, ever, not all of them are going to be killed. This is talking in generality because we know that there will be people that are alive at the time of the coming of the Lord. The Christians will be. So Jesus prophesied about this coming persecution in Matthew 24, 21, didn't he? For then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. The fifth seal, which is the great tribulation, occurs just before the sixth seal. Once the fifth seal is opened, we don't have much time left. I mean, there are six different scriptures that say the Great Tribulation only lasts three and a half years. That's um, Daniel 7.25, Revelation 13.5, Daniel 12.7, Revelation 11.2, Revelation uh, 11.3, and Revelation 12.14. The Great Tribulation is only three and a half years long. There is a final seven year, but the Great Tribulation is only the final three and one half years of that. Well, then that brings us to the sixth seal. Revelation 6, 12 through 17 says, I beheld when he opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth of hair. The moon became as blood. The stars of heaven fell from the earth. You remember hearing this back in Matthew 24, right? Jesus said immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun would be darkened, moon shall not give her light, stars will fall from heaven. 
It's talking about the exact same event here in Revelation 6. And the Bible says uh, that the stars will fall from heaven even as a uh, fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken by a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it's rolled together. And every mountain, this is the second coming, and every mountain and island was moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and mighty men and every bombman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and rocks, fall upon us and hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Well, here's the wrath of the Lamb in Revelation 6. But then it happens again in Revelation 11, and then again in Revelation 14, and then again in Revelation 19. The wrath of God doesn't happen four times. It only happens once. But it's told the same story is told over and over and over in the book of Revelation with different sets of events that lead up to that. And then the Bible says, For the great day of His wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? So the sixth seal reveals the second coming of Jesus Christ, and the battle of Armageddon. The sun's going to become black as sackcloth. The, the, of hair, the moon turn as blood. The stars will fall from heaven. Same thing in Matthew 24. Um, they're described. At, uh, Jesus told us about this um, on the Olivet Discourse. And so there you have it today. It, it's 911 set a lot of things in order. Now, it may not have been, it could have been some more things but besides 911. But 911 certainly put Islam on a lot of our radar, right? Prior to that, everybody was like, Islam, whatever. But once 911 happened in America, you can see over the last 22 years this huge surge of Islamic activity in the earth. And the Bible says this green spirit will be, there's going to be a huge uptick in that just prior to the beginning of the Great Tribulation. Folks, we're watching that happening right now. And it's all very prophetic. So, we do want to remember those in prayer that were affected by 911, but we also want to know it's very prophetic. 